0: This is Mayo Clinic Talks, a curated weekly podcast for physicians and healthcare providers. I'm Amit Ghosh, a general internist at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. The topic of today's discussion is post-COVID anosmia. Today we are joined by Dr. Erin O'Brien, associate professor and chair of section of rhinology in the Department of Otorhinology. Dr. O'Brien, welcome back. You had initially covered a podcast on anosmia in patients with COVID on March 25th, 2020. That seems to be a long time ago, and we have learned a lot, but I welcome you back back again to discuss this problem of anosmia, but with a different twist. I wanted to know how big is this problem of post-COVID anosmia, and what do we know about it?
1: Yeah, thanks for having me back. So yeah, March 25th last year was five days after the ENT group in the UK first alerted people that loss of smell, may be a presenting symptom with COVID. And so a year later, we've got a lot more data on how prevalent this is. And the studies have ranged from 35 to 65% of patients reporting smell loss. Um, But a systematic review of more than 100,000 patients estimates probably 38% of people with COVID at some point in their early illness have loss of smell or change in smell or change in taste. And what we're finding now a year out is unfortunately not everyone is getting their smell back. Estimates are that maybe 20% of those people who lost their smell may continue to have some smell and taste dysfunction. So to put that in numbers, If uh, 33 million Americans have had COVID and a third of them had some taste or smell dysfunction, and then 20% of them still haven't fully recovered, we're talking one to two million Americans who still may have some taste and smell dysfunction after COVID.
0: So most people who've had COVID and had anosmia would expect to get their smell back by around four weeks what would you say, four weeks?
1: Yeah, within three or four weeks, about 80% of people report that they're getting either mostly or or all of their smell back, but that's still leaving a lot of people who feel like their smell and taste haven't totally returned.
0: So that's 1 million individuals only in the U.S.
1: That's the estimate.
0: I'm, I'm thinking about the world. I'm just looking at today's number, 168 million have had COVID. This is a big thing. I mean, from everything which I have read about smell. This is a big thing. The reason I bring it up is till now we have thought about vision as the main sense. Like you can see the world and in all the greatness and you love it and all the other things like touch and smell and others were thought to be more of a lower category of senses. What are the recent research telling us about loss of smell and why is it a distressing problem?
1: Yeah, I agree with you that smells often diminished or not thought of. In fact, in medical school, when we check cranial nerves, it's two through 12, which excludes smell. You know, we don't check smell and people don't think about it. And there's research that's always been going on. But now, as you said, it's getting a lot more attention. And it's very distressing when people lose smell. And now those people who are losing smell are are really realizing how much they're missing out. Smells really important for a couple of things. For safety, is there a fire in your house? Are you burning something on the stove? Do you have a gas leak? And so much of food appreciation comes from smell. It's a really, like you said, a forgotten sense. And when it's gone, people say the world just seems flat. Food has no flavor. They miss out on a lot of signals in their environment that they didn't appreciate. And then the other thing is too, when someone loses smell, it's not appreciated by other people how devastating that is for them. And so they feel like this deficit is diminished by other people. And that's also sort of a secondary thing that is upsetting to them about how people don't appreciate how that affects their life. As you said, vision is seen as very important. If a million people went blind after COVID, it would be getting a lot more attention. It's not a good thing that smell is getting all this attention because of COVID, but it is bringing to light how important smell is to all of us.
0: COVID was initially thought to be a respiratory illness, and if you make out of it either asymptomatic phase or to the ICU, oh, good, good, good luck. You don't have any lung fibrosis, but anosmia or lack of smell is becoming a big issue. I've heard a patient talk about that when he eats food and he tastes food, he's saying it feels as if he's tasting it in the back of his skull or something. It's like a bony taste. The feeling was that there's nothing in his mouth or nose or all that, anything which is helping him with recognizing what he's eating, and that was very distressing for him. What could you postulate has been one of the causes of this lack of smell and probably continuation of lack of smell?
1: With other viral smell loss in the past, other viruses would give people congestion in their nose or sinus infection, and then the blockage would affect smell. And then some of those people may have some deficits from neural injury from smell. With COVID though, specifically, there are no ACE2 receptors on the olfactory neurons, but there are ACE2 receptors on the cells around the neurons that support those cells. So it's in the olfactory epithelium at the top of the nose, the cells that support mucus production and electrolyte balance, and turn over the odors in the nose. Those are the cells that we think are being damaged and infected by the COVID virus. And because those nerves support the olfactory epithelium, that epithelium is damaged and then people are losing their smell sort of right away. Those cells turn over. And so we think that's why people may get improvement in the first couple weeks. And actually olfactory nerve cells are the only ones that regenerate in the body. These are amazing neurons. They can regrow. They have basal cells that generate new cells. And so we think people may in the long-term get some smell back as well when those olfactory neurons regenerate, but it's not because of blockage or congestion. It's actually damage to the epithelium through those ACE2 receptors that we think this happens. There's also some evidence that there may be ACE2 receptors around taste buds or on taste buds. And so that may be why people are also experiencing loss of taste. I will say, as you know, your patient said, you can't taste anything and it's hard to describe it. One thing that comes out with taste that's sometimes hard to tease apart is, is it damage to the taste buds, which are salt, sugar, bitter, sour, or is it damage to the olfaction? And so they lose flavor. When you're chewing something, the odor gets released into the back of your nose. And the back of your nose is what tells you, okay, this is pizza. The smell's been released. And so some of the loss of taste may actually just be loss of flavor and loss of smell.
0: How do you diagnose it? I understand there are different grades of loss of smell. How, How do you classify it in the ENT world?
1: There's a couple ways you can test smell. One is basically a scratch and sniff test. And we have multiple choice answers for each odor. And that's smell recognition and so that's how many questions do you get correct and you can grade it on mild smell loss if they miss a few or complete anosmia or total smell loss if they miss most of the questions there are other tests that measure thresholds so how strong does an odor have to be and i've had some people who say boy i really have to get close to something now to smell it so the threshold has shifted One of the tests we use here is is the Scratch and Sniff that's easiest to use and it either comes as a 12 or 40 item test. Some people can try it at home with just smelling things at home to see if they can smell them anymore. And so with those tests, we can gauge objectively how much smell loss they have. You can also use those tests six months later to see if smell has improved. As for taste, we ask people, can you taste salt? Can you tell if something's sweet? Can you tell if something's bitter? Not as refined or specific as the smell test, but those are some ways you can tell if the taste buds are affected.
0: I understand when I look at the tongue, the different areas of the tongue taste different things like the front of the tongue, side of the tongue. They've got all these Google images which they say, uh, you know, even though you can feel everywhere, is that correct to say?
1: Not really. Oh, okay. Those, okay. I think those tongue maps are out of date. Okay. And when you look at the tongue, the sort of more red papillae or the actual taste buds?
0: Are there unique smell buds? I mean, for smelling, olfactory, because there's so many different types of smells. When we talk about not being able to smell one versus the other, are they situated in the front of the nose and the back of the nose, or there are unique nerves or smell buds for each of the different smells? So there's a combination firing going on If there's a bad smell, there are two, three different type of neurons firing. How do we smell?
1: In the nasal cavity, most of the lower part of the nose is respiratory epithelium, but the upper part of the nose is the olfactory epithelium. And the nerve endings from the olfactory bulb are at the top of the nose, so all along the top. And as you said, you can detect thousands of different odors because each nerve has a slightly different binding site for different odorants. So for instance, like I said, pizza, you can smell pizza. There are many different odors in that. And each molecule binds to a different olfactory receptor cell from that neuron. It's the combination of hitting those different nerve endings that gives you the smell. And that's, part of the issue with losing smell, if you have damage to the epithelium and you're missing some of those nerve endings, you're not gonna get the correct odor. I tell people it's sort of like, if you imagine a keyboard on a piano, you need all of the keys to, to hear the song correctly. If you're missing half of those keys, the song's not going to sound right. And it's all those different nerve endings that pick up with a combination of a smell that tells you what that smell is.
0: So just as a corollary, when the taste buds start coming or the smell uh, neurons start coming back, is it possible that they'll get back to where they were originally were, or they would be slightly different? So coffee will not smell as strong a coffee or tea will smell a weak tea or how, what do patients say when their smell starts coming back? Do they have the same perception? There's a brain which has been devoid of the smell. Does it remember it after six months, three months or whatever the duration is?
1: That's a great question. And we know from other respiratory viruses, where people have lost their smell, that it can come back and it may take two years. So we'll have to see with COVID. As those nerves come back, though, you're right, the brain may have to relearn smells. And the other thing that people may notice is that smells are starting to come back. They don't smell like they used to. And the word for that is parosmia. The smells are altered. And unfortunately, Almost everyone describes those altered smells as bad smells. It smells like there's a gas leak or there's trash or something is burning. The smell is incomplete and the brain sees that as something bad. A couple of things that people can do, what we're recommending is actually olfactory training. So practicing smelling every day.
0: I've recovered from COVID. It's probably day 45. And I come and see Dr. Erin O'Brien and you've done the test and you've noticed that I've got mild to moderate or moderate to severe loss of smell. What are my treatment options now?
1: Yeah, and like you said, at day 45, we're starting to see more people come in saying, I'm starting to smell things, but they smell terrible. And that may actually be a good sign that the smell nerves are starting to regenerate and it's starting to come back. In fact, we're seeing more parosmias or altered smells with people who still have some smell function, as opposed to the people who have total anosmia, total smell loss, they're not getting anything. When they're coming in and they're, they have still some smell function, that's when I'm really pushing for the olfactory training. And I say, you're gonna to have to practice smell. This is your homework. Get some things around the house or essential oils. And it really doesn't matter what concentration, but different categories. You're gonna take a big sniff of these things twice a day for four to six months. And the odors we recommend are floral, like rose, citrus, like lemon eucalyptus, and clove. So those different categories are probably stimulating different type of olfactory nerves and practicing those smells every day, like you said, will retrain the brain. When you take a big snip of something, it actually stimulates that part of the brain. Okay, we're smelling things, they're paying attention. Using that smell can help. People have very good sense of smell, not as good as most animals, but I think we underestimate and don't utilize our smell as well as we could. And so for anyone, smell training may help. But definitely for someone who's got some residual smell after COVID or some parosmia, we don't have evidence yet for COVID, but for other respiratory viruses or other smell wasps, we know olfactory training can help.
0: So these four smell categories that you mentioned, do you do one nostril at a time or do you just keep it in the center of the nose, I mean, where the septum is and just take a deep breath and you give a gap between the four different smell types um, because they are so varied from, and do you follow a particular order?
1: So my first thing is to try to keep it simple. The simpler it is, the more likely patients will continue to do it. And so yes, maybe it would be helpful to do each site separately, but just for ease of doing it every day, I don't think it matters what order or how long in between. Mostly I'm just trying to encourage them to keep going for four to six months. Mm-hmm.
0: So it looks like you have to counsel the patient not to get depressed or not to lose hope because all the other functions are going, but they're worried about this lack of smell, which can be distressing, as you mentioned. So one of the job of a ENT specialist would be also to counsel them, but do they have to see a therapist at one time or is, does that happen in these kind of patients?
1: I have had people that I've referred to psychiatry because their smell loss was associated with really significant depression, a feeling like I'm never going to taste food again. Someone whose basically their identity was wrapped up in their ability to cook large meals for their family. And now she didn't feel safe to cook. She didn't know what food tasted like. She was worried she would serve something that wasn't safe. It could be expired food. And I start off by just saying in general, a lot of people who have lost their their smell feel depressed or sad or anxious because they're worried about their safety. If they're home alone, if they had a gas leak, they wouldn't know it. So I bring it up first. A lot of people won't offer that. They come in for smell loss, but won't talk about how it's affecting their mood. And so I offer that first. And then I talk about how the smell and taste are directly associated with their limbic system, which is their emotional center of their brain. Mm -hmm. That's the reason why when you smell something, you may get a memory from your childhood. There's a direct connection. And so I say, we know that losing your smell, you lose some of that connection to that emotional part of your brain. So I bring it up first. I offer to talk to someone about symptoms if they have them. The other thing though they can do, and a lot of people have found finding a community online where you can talk to other people who have lost their smell can be really helpful for them it validates i'm not the only one who has this they can share how they are coping with this and just finding someone else who appreciates what they're going through can be really helpful so i i always bring it up and so if you're seeing someone with smell loss offer that yes you may be having some emotional reaction to losing your smell and can we talk about it
0: i was stuck by a point that you mentioned about not being able to smell gas and other things. So for particular occupations, is this some kind of a short-time disability situation? Like if I'm a firefighter or if I'm a cook, a professional cook, would that impair my ability to go back to work if I'm not able to smell?
1: Yes, not specifically yet with COVID, but with other patients I've seen who've lost their smell, they've had to change profession if they were a firefighter or a police officer or a cook because smell was very much related to their job. And I haven't necessarily helped someone file for disability with that, but that is something to consider if you're talking to someone about what their profession is, that may be a discussion you need to have. I wanna make sure people who've lost their smell have working smoke detectors. If they have propane or natural gas in their house, they need an alarm for propane or natural gas, not carbon monoxide, and then check their food, make sure their food's not expired. So, just want to reinforce the safety counseling.
0: And they, if they have a friend or a spouse, should they share these things with them that, you know, I'm, I might have difficulty if you smell something, alert me?
1: Absolutely. Um, I tell them, you know, two things tell the people you're around you can't smell for safety reasons. Also, am I putting on too much perfume? Those kinds of things. And then mm-hmm. also to just have a discussion about yes, I've lost smell and it's really affecting me and and have an open discussion about that. Because again, as we've talked about, loss of smell, I think has been underappreciated and the effect it has on people. So having a discussion about it can be really helpful. Yeah, I've had people say, I worry that I smell bad and no one, I can't tell. So it's good to share that with someone you trust.
0: So counseling, counseling patient becomes very important while going through this uh, rehab, which you're mentioning. And as far as the research in the ENT field is there, there is no correlation between the severity of the initial COVID illness and and anosmia?
1: Ironically, the data coming out seems to be that younger female patients with less severe COVID are reporting more smell loss. The caveat is, though, that most older people start to lose smell anyway. And so I think older patients may not appreciate a change in Mm -hmm. smell as much. So the data that smell loss may be associated with less severe COVID, I think isn't perfect, but that's what some of the papers are showing.
0: Anything else, Dr. O'Brien, as we wind up on this topic, which you would like our viewers to know?
1: For the physicians and uh, providers who are seeing this, there is potentially some off-label treatment, but we don't have a lot of information yet, but I'll have people do sinus rinses with steroids. That's off-label, but that may be an option, or omega-3 fatty acid supplements. Again, we don't have great data for COVID, but those were other recommendations we made for other losses of smell in the past. But I think probably olfactory training is the the most important thing I would emphasize.
0: So thank you, uh, Dr. O'Brien. We've been talking about post-COVID anosmia, the emerging new uh, disease entity, which has come up hopefully uh, we'll learn more, and hopefully this is this uh, problem will also
1: dissipate. I appreciate this opportunity to get the word out to more providers. Mm-hmm. There are things that can be done, and it is a discussion that's uh, worth having with the patient, both for their mood and their quality of life, and also safety. So thanks for, for having this uh, topic again a year later.
0: No, thank you. Thank you, Dr. Brian. So I'll end here. Uh, please have a pleasant day. If you have enjoyed the Mayo Clinic Talks and Podcasts, please subscribe, stay healthy, get vaccinated, and see you back next week.